This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's up? What is up? So we're coming off. So, okay, we're still trying to get caught up on our content calendar. Yeah, COVID messed it up. We apologize. Yeah, yeah. So as last week, we are recording all of these um, the same day as our well. Yeah, the week that they come out. And oh my gosh, did we have a good well this morning. Yeah, it was very good. Um, It's mornings like this morning where I'm reminded why we do what we do. Why we do what we do. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, I, I say it all the time that I think for a long time, the church has been about sanctification and making disciples and i think that is so good like don't don't hear me saying that that that's somehow bad but in the pursuit of those two things we've left out healing and wholeness yeah which um i think is part of the reason we found ourselves in the dilemma that we're in that that young people are leaving the church in droves yeah is because they're looking for healing and wholeness and you're never going to make a disciple until you've healed a person. Yeah, and, and something that our guest this morning um, said was that they felt that Well House is more like a rehab, right? It's like rehabilitative. Yeah, it was, it was rehab churches is, is what they specifically said at, at the gathering that we were at this and week. Isn't that just gold yeah it it really is what we're trying to do i mean in a world where people are broken um they're they're struggling to survive in in some kind of way and they're looking for healing and wholeness that's why people go to rehab that what i'm doing is no longer working uh or, or the worldview or outlook or actions that i have are no longer working for me so I go to rehab to find a new way yeah. to pursue healing and wholeness, yeah. uh, which is the same thing that I want Wellhouse to be for people, right? When you go to when you go to rehab, or you go to an AA or, or you know some kind of uh, substance anonymous meeting, celebrate recovery, whatever. Um, w- what are the three things that you encounter? It's a place where people can be real. Yeah, it's a place where they build relationships. Yeah. And it's a place where they're restored to wholeness and healing. Yeah. Um, Kind of like Wellhouse Church. Yeah, our three values. Be real, be relational, be restored. Boom. Right? Like this, that, I don't know. To me, thinking about Wellhouse is like a rehabilitative church. I don't know, man. Like, I don't think it could get any better than that. Yeah, it definitely, um, for, a, for a certain type of person, I think that's a helpful image. Yeah. Um, for other people, I don't know that's so helpful. Right. Um, just if, you, if you've never been through... Um, struggles with addiction or uh, substance abuse in any kind of way, um, or just addiction in general. If you've, you know, if you've been through therapy for sex addiction, or, or really even any, if even if you're a part of like an SLA meeting, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and SLA for for people who don't know is sex and love addiction. Um, they have meetings for that, right? So like, 
I think no matter what kind of struggle or, or that you have, there is some sort of rehabilitation that needs to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, while you may not formulate your language that way, even if you're coming out of like a, a divorce, yeah, right? There's support groups for that. Yeah, right? there, any, there's any a kind form of, of rehab. Yeah, any kind that. of trauma has rehab, rehabilitation, reintegration, all those types of things. And historically, the church has um, participated in some trauma. Right. You mean participated in dealing out trauma. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For we sure. have participated in trauma, and therefore there needs to be a space in the church to rehabilitate that trauma. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I, I don't know. I just love that so much. Yeah, it's it's when we encounter stories like these, um, and we have, honestly, we have at least one story like this every month. Mm-hmm. Um, we have someone else come to Wellhouse and experience wholeness and healing in a, in a new kind of way. And that's, those are the things that, those are the moments when I go, God, I love being a pastor. <laughs> yeah, Like I love being a part of people experiencing the healing powers of a graceful God. Yeah. Um, and so great, great segue on this. Um, if, if you love what we're doing and you, you participate in our content and, and uh, get value from our content, w- would you consider giving to us? Would you consider donating and supporting us? Um, it, it takes a lot to do what we do. We have staff, we have admin costs and those kinds of things. And as a church start in the middle of a pandemic, like it hasn't been easy. Yeah, fundraising um, hasn't been the most easy thing for us to do. Yeah, and we have all these stories of people um, being restored and, and finding healing and wholeness and just all of these amazing stories of the power of Jesus at work in people's lives in very real ways. Um, and we have we have hundreds of people listening to us online at our current projections. I don't even think I've told you this. At our current projections, we will be at over a thousand downloads a month, uh, before, um, Easter, man. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. And God bless you. Like, I know you hear people say that all the time, like God bless you, but like, no, 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 God bless yeah. you and your family. And Oh my Lord. Even, even some of our partners, um, our institutional partners are, pretty shocked at, at the rate that we're growing in our online content. And so uh, even our little success that we've had and our little bit of restoration ministry that we've been able to do is is because of you guys. And, yeah. and as you listen and like and share the podcast, the more and more that grows and the more and more the analytics help. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Y'all are the best. And if you would like to support us, please do. I'll put a link in the description uh, to to be able to give and support us and, and connect with us. Yeah. Um, anyways, so yeah. Thank you guys. And we know that you're here for content. So let's go ahead and jump into the content. Let's do it. So um, you talked about poor in spirit, right? Blessed yeah. are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, yeah. we're, we're in this new series, uh, on earth as it is in heaven right now we're in the beatitudes. Yep. Um, so, so walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, first 
I think maybe it's helpful to put put it in context of what what we're doing here, right? So Matthew begins his gospel or his biography of Jesus quite different than uh, some of the other gospels. So he starts with Jesus's genealogy. Yeah, his, his genealogy uh, of Jesus being an Israelite, a Hebrew person, mm-hmm. and he does some weird things there. We have we have I have a story on that in the it's uh, in the uh, the coming series, and and we have a podcast on that as well. Um, yeah, that was from our last series, our Advent series. Yeah, the coming, um, the coming, and you should totally go listen to that if you haven't. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, but then chapters two and three of Matthew's gospel are, or two, the rest of one in chapter two are Jesus as an infant. They're like the narrative of Jesus's infancy, and then we don't really get anything in Matthew of Jesus's like adolescence, we just jump on the scene in chapter three and it's Jesus's baptism. Mm. And so then in chapter four, you know, we get the temptation narratives and, and the, the kind of forming of Jesus's ministry. And then chapter five begins Jesus's first discourse, his yeah. first, there are five discourses in Matthew's gospel and the, the gospel is kind of framed around them. Um, and if you're reading Matthew, you should just note, like make a note in the in the front of Matthew in your Bible. If you ever see a mountain in Matthew, mm-hmm. pretty important. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like Matthew frames the gospel, the biography, uh, around a mountain motif. So anything that happens on a mountain, they're it's like the high important. they're the high points of the the gospel. And Jesus's first discourse takes place on the side of a mountain. Jesus goes up on the side of a mountain and, and begins to tell this story across two chapters, chapter five or three chapters, five, six, and seven. And he begins the story, begins the sermon with this word, blessed yeah, or blessed, however you want to say it in English. Um, and it, it, it's not an easy word to translate. Um, for my pastors out there, Macarius is not an easy, um, it's not an easy word. Blessed is not really a great translation. It, it may have been back in the day, but like now when you hear the word blessed, what do you think of? Like hashtag blessed. Yeah. Like, uh, blessings and it's, on blessings. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's some kind of idea or, understanding or maybe even narrative around the reception of a gift of benevolence. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's kind of the idea here, but Makarios is more of a, it's more of a word for like celebration. Like I think it's not a literal translation but I actually think a great way to translate this is to the ones who are poor in spirit, celebrate mm. because it is yours, the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that seems to click on a, on a whole lot of levels. Yeah. Um, I don't know, because Jesus gives, throughout the Beatitudes, which... 
we're going to talk about. Um, yeah, there's um, seven or nine. Yeah, of them, I can't remember. It, just pick one of them, other than the one we're on right now. Six, seven, eight. Uh, there's nine of them. Yeah, so just pick one of them other than the one we're on right now. Just read one. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peace. Celebrate peace, right? Celebrate the fact that you participate in peace, right? Like, or or even the one right after. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Right. And so celebrate the, life. Yeah. Right? The the pattern here is that there's someone who has an attribute about their character, and that character attribute should be celebrated because of the reward that comes from it. Yeah. So like here it's blessed with the poor in spirit for their reward mm -hmm. or, or their payback is that they, that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And I think the mourning one is very clear, right? Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Well, what does every mourning person want? Comfort to be comforted, yeah. like like it it is to say that that an action yields a result, yeah. and so Jesus jumps on the scene and he begins this this story with this, and I don't think this is a coincidence because I briefly mentioned it in in the story, but the Old Testament ends with a curse in Malachi. And it's about burning. It's about eternal punishment. Yeah. But then yet Jesus starts his discourse of the good news that there's a way for you to experience the kingdom of heaven, yeah. a place without burning, a place without um, punishment. And so I don't think that's happenstance. Yeah. I think that's very intentional either through the people who've put the Bible together or God's inspiration or, or some combination of both. Right. Uh, I don't think that should be lost on us, but Jesus says the poor in spirit and it's a hard, it's a hard thing to, to kind of wrestle with and deal with. Not everybody understands what it's like to be poor. And because of that, not everybody has the same, understanding of this text mm -hmm. and, and what does it mean to be poor in spirit i i think everybody agrees that if you follow the pattern that there's a character attribute that yields a reward whatever poor in spirit is it yields the reward king the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven which is culminating kingdom of heaven is eternal salvation um Temporal, partial reality of the kingdom of heaven is an ethic of Jesus, a life of wholeness and healing, grace-filled, you know, all these things that we talk about, um, as, and as we'll continue to talk about as we go farther into this, this story series. But for me, if, if the reward is clear... Right? Because the kingdom of heaven is a pretty clear reward. Yeah. We kind of understand what that is. Well, we can trace back from the reward through the greater biblical narrative and specifically the greater narrative of the New Testament to make up what poor in spirit is. Right. Well, poor in spirit is just like poor in reality. You're dependent upon someone else for the things that you receive. Yeah. 
And so if, if you are going to receive the kingdom of heaven, therefore you have to be reliant on God. You're dependent, you're vulnerable to the God of heaven. Right. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so good. Um and, and it's important to note, and I don't think that anybody really thinks this, but just in case I think it needs to be said, um all Christians should strive to be all nine of these beatitudes. Right. We oh, should yeah. we should all strive to be poor in spirit and reliant yeah. on God. Because think about it. If God truly is all powerful, we are finite. Therefore, to do some of the things that God calls us to do and wants us to do, we need to be dependent on him. Right. I think like you always reference our, our pastor listeners. I think sometimes they might understand that better, right? Uh, because point. because there is so much that we put out yeah, and we receive so little, you have to be dependent on God to get through that. Yeah, pastors, the way that I like to say it is is we, we give to everyone else and we take on everyone else's problems and struggles as our own that lots of times unhealthy pastors and the experience of burnout amongst pastors is because we don't have an outlet for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I think those outlets exist, but in a lot of congregations, and I think this is why pastors come to us because we're a safe space, right? right? Anytime you have a value of be real, um, pastors are going to flock to it. Well, it's a safe space for anyone to be real pastor included. And the minute that most pastors begin to talk about therapy, which is a required outlet. When you when you onboard people's struggles as your own, you need to go to therapy to be able to, number one, release those, but also to differentiate those from your own struggles. And yeah. the minute that a lot of pastors begin to talk about therapy, um, the stigma of mental illness, their churches, they, they just can't overcome that. So something we talk about in, in social work um, lots of social workers go into therapy, not all, but lots of them do, um, and become therapists, right? Licensed. Yeah. I, I felt like I needed to clarify that a little bit. Even therapists need other therapists. That's something that they oh, teach yeah. you, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and it's not any different for pastors. Pastors need pastors. Pastors yep. need pastors. Pastors need therapists because lots of times they do counseling, Right, they they do mental health stuff um, without training. Lots of times, um, yeah. I will I will tell you that's one of the reasons that I don't do counseling and therapy because pastors are expected to do so much. Yeah. That and also, I th- and I think this plays into the poor in spirit thing. If I try to take on all of that, mm-hmm. it's very easy to get a hero complex. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Ooh yeah. And, and that's why a lot of pastors do it because for a lot of pastors, their job security is built around the idea that they're needed mm. and they're needed through being a hero, through being a savior. My job's not to be your savior. My job's to point you to the savior. Yeah. Amen. And so I don't do any therapy. I don't do any counseling for others. I have counts. I receive counseling. I receive therapy. Um, there is pastoral care moments that is totally okay for you and necessary for you. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and we, we do pastoral care. We train our, our well keepers to do pastoral care. Um, pastoral care is the one thing we can do, but 
there also comes a point where people need professional help that we're not trained to do. Yeah. Um, and hopefully there will come a day where we can have people on our staff and our team that, that we can do that. Uh, it is in our long-term vision to be able to provide that. But right now we don't have that capacity. And so we have restoration partners to do that because like Elijah rising and well, and or, or daring ventures or, yeah. you know, who, whoever our partners are in our, in our care network to, to assist in those things. But for me, it is a, it is a piece of being poor in spirit because we have to know that our deliverance comes from God. Yeah. Our deliverance, both eternal and temporal, uh, is not our own. Now I will say my friend and I think for a lot of time, my therapist, um, was a guy named Jake Porter at Daring Ventures. Uh, and he's a former pastor and, and all of these things. And we connected that way. But he, he says all the time that, that you can't act your way into something that you can pray your way out of. Mm. And I do think that's true. Actions come with consequences, no matter how it is. But you doing action outside of faith for God's deliverance is going to yield you a self-righteous limiting deliverance. It's not fullness of healing and it's not wholeness. It's partial. And being poor in spirit is where you come to a place and as an Enneagram three, this is huge for me, but you win through losing. Mm. Shout out Sean Palmer. <laughs> That's right. Shout out Sean Palmer. Yeah. Winning by losing is, is what it means to be poor in spirit. It is, it is to say that, Hey, my deliverance is not my own. My deliverance is a byproduct of living a life it's a reality, a partial reality of the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Amen. Couldn't have said it any better. Um, well, we're going to wrap it up, but um, just remember as we're going through this series, um, this is an ethical sermon, right? The Sermon on the Mount is an ethical sermon. It is Jesus trying to help us understand how we live as Christians ethically. Yep. Um, so so track along with us. Um, keep, keep following along and... Um, try to to formulate your life and to, to fit your life around this sermon.